Hello and welcome to Covering Liverpool with me, Neil Jones, as ever, but with a special guest and a part of a new series, the first in a new series, so he will consider himself honoured, I'm sure, where I meet other people who cover Liverpool and we talk about the job, how we got into it, what we like about it, what we don't like about it, and what we see as the future and some of the changes that we've seen in the job as well over the years. So I deliberately picked this guy as the first one because... And I'll probably embarrass him a little bit here, but he holds the job that I think is one of the most important in covering Liverpool uh, across the media world. He is the Liverpool FC correspondent for the Liverpool Echo. It's Paul Ghost. How are you, mate? All good. All good. Uh, glad to be on. When you uh, when you ran the kind of you know topics by me, and, and it was going to be a little bit different to just you know chatting about the Reds like we we do yeah. in our day jobs. I thought, yeah, this this sounds like something I want to be part of. So. Uh, Honoured to be the uh, the first guest. Yeah, no worries. Well, listen, I'll, I'll start with I've just where I've just uh, left it really in terms of I see it as that being you know a, a sort of privileged position, a, mm. a, a, an important position, obviously in the media landscape and in the local landscape as well. How do you see it? You know, what do you what pride do you have as being you know that obviously uh, having that byline, having that sort of status, if you like, in in, in the media world as Liverpool correspondent for for the Echo. Yeah, look, I, was, I think I was about 13 or 14 when I finally realised that um, I was probably better off talking about football and writing about it than I was playing it. Um, luckily, thank you for saying that, by the way. <laughs> the only thing I was kind of half decent at school was English, so luckily um, I had that going for me. And just, you know, I, I remember reading Oliver Holt uh, in 2002, and I think, in, I think he was... He was in Sapporo in Japan watching England beat Argentina 1-0 Beckham penalty on the Friday. And on the Sunday, he was in Vegas watching Tyson Holyfield, I think, or Tyson Lewis. Wow. And there was there was big spreads in the, in the Monday mirror. And I thought, you know what, that's probably the life for me. So I'll try and track that down and chase it if I can. And yeah, you know, obviously, you've always read the Echo. You always, you know, Liverpool household, you buy the Echo, don't you, grow, growing up in your family and that. And it was Chris Bascom who, who I first used to read, and obviously Dave Francis was doing the Everton coverage at the time. Then it moved to Tony was it Tony Barrett, and then Dom King, and then James Pearce, and just always. I think if you're a football lover on Merseyside, you you always kind of know who the Liverpool correspondent is for the Echo at the time. You might not be too familiar with, with the work or whatever, but you kind of know who they are at least. And when I got the job in, in 2019 after James left, it was, um, it was genuinely a, a dream come through. So a privileged position, like you say, one I don't take lightly. And uh, it's a different role to what it was when I was growing up reading the Echo, that there's a lot more demands. It's a lot more fast-paced in terms of what you've got to do day-to-day. But certainly don't um, don't take it for granted at all. And there's at least one moment a week when I take a step back and think, this is a bit mad, this, and this is all just because of my job. Like on, on Tuesday, we had Keir Starmer in, in our office, and I was sitting there, standing there with him, and, and he was chatting to me about how great Mo Salah was. And as he's walking off, I'm thinking, this is a, this is all a bit mad. This isn't work, or at least it shouldn't be. But fortunately, you know, for the likes of us, it is. Yeah. So I'm interested there. You started by saying that you're 13 or 14, because I, I was thinking about my, my own journey in, in journalism or my own relationship with journalism, if you like. I was I was a lot younger. I was sort of six or seven. I, I actually remember the game that, that I first ever wrote a report about, and it was crazy. When you think about it, it was Leicester v Swindon in the playoff final <laughs> in 1993. 
and it was just on ITV. You know, when you used to have random games on on, on yeah. terrestrial TV. God, I remember those days. And um, I remember sort of just writing a report. And it was four three to, to to Swindon. They got promoted to the Premier League. But that that's the earliest sort of memory I have of being into that kind of thing. And I can remember writing sort of school newsletters and things like yeah. that about the, the school football team when I was in primary school. But you were you were more in sort of senior school. Did you did you have a sort of a, a feeling towards? Sports writing or football writing or or football media even before then? It was honestly just a case of, well, I'm kind of half decent in English, so what, what can I do a bit further down the line? And I, I was quite fortunate. You, obviously, you, you knew what you wanted to do from a, from a very early age, but I do consider myself quite fortunate that I knew from, you know, relatively early on what I wanted to do. You know, I loads of my mates, you know, lads I went to school with who, who didn't really find their kind of career path until later in life, you know, late 20s, maybe even early 30s. So I was quite fortunate in that respect. But I remember writing something when Chelsea got taken over in 2003. Um, and I kind of, because Liverpool played Chelsea in the last game of the previous season, yeah. it was always, you know, at the time, probably wrong, but, you know, a young young lad watching football, it was always in my mind that, you know, Abramovich might have bought Liverpool, had Liverpool won that game because they were in the Champions League and whatever else. And, I remember writing something to that effect, and it was handwritten actually. And I think it might have been sent in to, to Chris Walker at the Echo at the time, who used to do the um, the work experience placements, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and I tried to get into the Echo on work experience when I was fifteen, and um, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And I ended up working for um, a kind of magazine that circulated around schools, and I, I did all the sports stuff for that. Went to Anfield and covered the press conference, and spoke to Chris Bascom actually as Part of a little feature with, with Paul Salt, who still looks the same same age he did back then in two thousand three. Um, but they're my kind of really first early memories of of yeah, this is something that I might be half decent at and something I, I definitely want to pursue. Right, that's interesting. What were you? What, what school were you? At? What, what what was your, your school upbringing? So I went to St Charles on Egbert Road Junior School, and then I went to St John Almond, which isn't there anymore now. It's called something else. Just at the stop of Garston there in Garston Village right. for about 18 months because yeah. I didn't get into SFX initially. And then SFX called me mum when I was in year eight and said, places opened up. And she uh, she took me out of John Almond, but I didn't really want to go at the time. I, I had loads of mates from, from St. Yeah. Charles and my cousin was there who was closer at the time and didn't really want to go. But I had a few mates in SFX as well, so it wasn't that bad. But yeah, my mum dragged me out of there. Classic, classic Liverpool school. SFX was a good football mm. school as well, wasn't it? Always, yeah. had, always yeah. had players, always had good, good, um, yeah, good names coming out of there. What about uni then? I mean, that listen, I, I always and I always tell a story that I, I'd, I always call it maybe erroneously now, but I always say, oh, unorthodox route. I never went to uni. Did you? What, what did you do? And sort yeah. of, yeah. So I went to UCLan in in Preston, University of Central Lancashire, which was one of the, one of the few courses that actually did sports journalism at the time. I think maybe three or four back then. I think JMU do one now, which I probably would have considered had had they done at the time. Didn't really want to move away from Liverpool, uh, but moved to Preston for for a year. Stayed up there for a year, and then commuted the last last couple of years. But um, an esteemed course in, in the kind of sports journalism world. It's um, you know we we know people who've gone there before our time, haven't we? And it was called something a little bit different back then, but it's always had a a strong reputation, and, and Charlie Lambert was the, the course leader, of course, the old radio commentator who covered Liverpool in forensic detail in the 80s, didn't he? And um, Colm Griffith was was the, 
the um, the print leader in, in third year. I think he, he had a background in kind of rugby writing around the Lancashire area. But yeah, it's um, it was as I say, there, there wasn't many courses that did that, but it was quite fortunate that it wasn't a million miles away from from South Liverpool and yeah. it had a, a good reputation. Yeah, I mean, I've been, obviously we've been when I worked at the Echo, we used to go to a lot of courses in in Newfoundland. And me, if we ever had a sort of a training training day or a training sort of seminar, it would always be there, wouldn't it? So there's always a relationship with local local papers, local mm. press, local websites, whatever. Um, were you all so were you fully on board then? I mean, you, you're obviously 13, 14 when you decide, okay, I'm quite good at this, or I think I, I think I would be quite good at this. Are you fully on board by the time you're in uni that that's a career, or are you? A lot of people do uni, and I know I know this from my friends and people. That it's almost just get a course and get yeah. through the three, three years and see what where the land lies. But are you in a position where you're thinking, no, this is? I mean, I'm working towards something here in terms of my yeah, life. yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, obviously everyone's everyone's different, but I, I didn't see the the point myself in, in going to uni and then coming out of it not really knowing where I wanted to go with the course. It was a very specific course as well, which helped. You know, sports journalism degrees. You know, you, there's not too many other avenues you can go down, I suppose. But I, I always had it in my head from a certain age that the Liverpool correspondent for the Echo was, was where it ultimately wanted to end up. Um, so, as I say, I've been, been hugely fortunate that the three years at Preston loved it, um, especially the third year when you really got down to, to the nitty-gritty of, of working on weekly newspapers and, and putting together the, the, the spreads and going to watch the likes of Bamber Bridge and Chorley and, and then, you know, you see, you see you're right up in the... In the magazine at, at the end of the week, and yeah, it all, all started really com, coming together. I thought, particularly in the in the third year, and yeah. couldn't recommend it enough to anyone who, who's in a similar position. You know, at a young age, who's looking to to um, maybe pick that university, I, I wouldn't uh, be able to recommend it enough. Yeah, I'm fascinated you say that because I similar similar start in, in a diff, different sort of uh, environment, but a similar similar start with. You know, I remember coming on to do the, the junior sport at the Echo or the weeklies yeah. and covering Southport and Marine and things like that. And I always I always say to people, I'm sure you get the same. You probably get people messaging you asking for advice or, or you know, sort of um, help getting in for work experience placements. I always say yeah. those rich sort of um, ground for sort of experience and and just, just contact building and learning the trade is going to those kind of – I mean, you must have been to – like I say, to Lancaster, to Chorley, Bamber Bridge, wherever, mm-hmm. Preston Resies, those kind of things. That they, they, they are big sort of things, aren't they? That set you in good stead for the for the future. Yeah, and and I think it's I think it's maybe missing a little bit nowadays. I think it it, it gives you a good ground in 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 news writing, in match report writing, and, and stuff like that. Um, it's not quite as as prominent as it once was because of the the demands. A little bit, um, you know, well, certainly a, a digital world now, isn't it, compared to what it was years ago when you'd be writing your report for the paper and that that's where your words would be. So, um, yeah, it, it has changed. I mean, even when it's it changed since I started becoming a kind of full-time journalist, if you like, about 10 years ago, and it's it's changed even even in the last five years, you know, five or six years while I've been at the Echo and, and even doing this role. So, it's totally different, but one thing I, I kind of always say to anyone who's asking for advice, people message me on LinkedIn or Twitter or, you know, bump into people, you know, young, you know, budding reporters, if you like, and I just say, get your foot in the door in places, work experience, you know, make sure that you make a bit of an impression on people, make sure you're polite and, and you've got ideas. Essentially, I think the ideas one's the biggest one because if you show up, they want for, for an echo work placement. I know for a fact our desk is going to be made up if you've got 
two or three ideas that, that you want to work on and okay you might not necessarily get to do them but you can certainly flesh them out and build them and tweak them and, and you'll come away with your byline on, on, the, on the echo and something to show for your, your placements yeah i always say that to people i, I mean it's, it's different now as well i mean it, it was getting there when i first started out and i'm sure the same for you but it's it's so prominent now you can always self-publish so that there is always somewhere yeah. that you can put it out and that's all i say is practice 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 get it out there make sure you know make sure it's tighten it up work on your mistakes work on your sort of style of writing or whatever it is or broadcasting anything but where, where were you sort of so where, where was your stuff appearing first where was your first kind of moment where you just you, you look and go that's I wrote that, you know, that's that's sort of something to be proud of. Yeah, well, in um, I think it was second year uni, I did a work placement at Mercury Press, um, right. Click, Click Liverpool. And at the time, they were just launching Click Lancashire as well. So uh, Chris Johnson, who's, you know, the, the late great Chris Johnson, anyone who's kind of worked in, in media in, in the Northwest will, will know that name, kind of Titan. He um, he asked me after I'd finished that placement. Oh, sorry, no, I'll go back a bit. It was the, the week I was on placement was the week Stephen Gerrard was in court. If you remember oh, yeah. the, the yeah. Uh, Marcus McGee incident, yeah. and he, just by chance he didn't really have enough hands on deck, so I got sent down to cover it. So I'm I'm sitting there as a second year university student with you know an old beaten up knock here that you can't really do much much else on, kind of old style phone and back the the, the copy if you like, and uh, Chris Johnson typing up back of the office and. Remember messaging me saying you're playing a blind here. That gave me massive confidence because I didn't really know what I was doing. I thought I was I was well out of my depth, and it was surreal. You know, Stephen Gerrard, the Liverpool captain, is, is there in, in the dock, and we're seeing all the evidence showing and, and court reporting before I've even done it really, because that was more of a third year thing. But yeah, that, that, I remember that was being that was a massive thing. I remember massive byline, and I've still got it in my, my old portfolio upstairs somewhere. And then from there, Chris asked me if I wanted to do. Um, the, the Everton coverage for, for Click Liverpool and the Burnley coverage for, for Click Lancashire, which was a bit bit ad hoc, kind of logging into the system, you know, in between uni lessons and whatever else, and filling, you know, maybe a couple of pieces a day on whatever's happened at Burnley and whatever's happened at Everton. And it was um it was paid, but it wasn't paid much. So it was it was a slow, slow burner. But um, that was my first real kind of grounding in in uh, professional journalism with your, with your byline on things oh, that's pressure that going to court report I, I know I, listen I, I did a little bit of training when I worked at the echo on news reporting and, and that kind of thing I, I've never done a live live court report and I always think god oh, that would be a yeah. even now that I would be done that would be daunting to do so to do that for your first one and yeah. on you know someone who's probably a hero as well at that time as well you know you sort of that must have been a yeah a pretty uh, big big adrenaline sort of buzz going in yeah there. It, it, it was weird just just being in you know in, in court and looking across and, and Stephen Gerrard in, in the dock and yeah. um, just kind of feeding it back and I mean I'm sure it was heavily edited by Chris back at the office but um, just just a real you know thrown into the deep end and, and sink or swim and um, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually dig out those those bylines when when, uh, when we've done this and, and see what what was written because it was just 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 surreal I mean even doing that now I'd still feel a bit. Definitely. I'd have to check with, you know, the, the court report, the great court reporters, you know, Neil Dockin or you know Johnny Humphreys at the Echo now, and because um, I'd, I'd feel like I wouldn't be confident enough to do it now. Never mind when I was, you know, twenty years of age and still a journalism student. Yeah, absolutely. But when when you say journalism students, I mean, obviously that's that's a literal term. But what about in terms of 
consuming football media? Were you one of those? I I, I know I was from a very young age at primary school. I was Match Magazine, Shoot Magazine, and mm-hmm. then 442, The Echo. What, what you know, all I would I was a religious sort of reader of, of football material. Were you, were you like that as well? Did you you know once you've sort of decided that's for you? Were you studying, if you like, the the, the best or the, the leaders in there yeah. in terms of you know and, and who who in particular? Yeah, I think I think that's a habit you've got to get into haven't you as a, as a young journalist, and it's probably another kind of morsel of advice I'd give now just to, to read as many different people as possible. Um, used to I always remember used to buy the echo on a Monday when on my way home from school, and I'd, I'd buy myself a Yorkie and I'd sit make a cup of tea and I'd read read the match report from from Basco and yeah. kind of save it all in, in detail from cover to cover. I always remember reading Patrick Barkley in, in the Daily Mail. I always used to quite enjoy his stuff. And then as I got a bit older, kind of uh, grew out of that a little bit. But um, he, he was always an early one, which which might surprise you. As I say, whoever was was in the middle at the time, Oliver Hot was always always a big one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think that's a big thing now that perhaps is not done as much. I, I think maybe some of the younger journalists are not quite as as thorough or as in depth as, as who they read these days. I mean, it's difficult now, isn't it, with, with Twitter and the amount of articles that get bombarded just from scrolling on it. But um, yeah, I, I'd encourage anyone just to, to read as um, as a wide variety as possible. Yeah, I was the same, to be honest. I was one of those that... I remember the, one of the big turning turn points, but turning points in your mind was when I messaged Brian Reed about, about yeah. the column that he'd written in the, in the middle. Obviously, he was sort of in and out of sport, wasn't he? He had a, he had a, a news column in it on a sport column, but I remember him replying with some sort of kind feedback to some stuff I'd written. And that was like a, a light bulb moment where you're like, wow, okay, that's, you know, like the great Brian Reed type of thing. Did, did you, how did you find the industry? Cause I, I, I often, I often get at or sort of the impression from people who, who are asking that they're almost scared to ask, you know, for, for advice or for help or whatever, that they almost feel like it's a closed shop because of it's so competitive and there's so much sort of protectionism about it. When I was starting out, I remember people being so surprisingly open, really, and, and willing to help. You know, I remember sitting down with uh, Oliver Holt being, being an example, but I can remember Henry Winter and uh, Matt Lawton and people like that, sort of really, you know, really being willing to help. Did you did you find that when you were sort of looking for guidance or advice or you were coming across people who, who were in high-profile jobs or, you know, did you find the industry welcoming for a young a young reporter or a young? Yeah, I, I did. I, I mean, I'm quite fortunate in that. Greg O'Keefe, who obviously worked at the Echo for years and is obviously at the Athletic now, with family, family, I guess. You know, our, our mum's a cousin, so I always had him to, to speak to about things. And I always remember a university assignment, and I was up against it really. I only had a couple of days left to do it, and I needed to be a kind of a rant interview. If you remember them with a, a member of the media and. I just kind of said to him, look, I'm, I'm struggling here. Have you, have you got anyone who might be able to help out? And sort of something with, with Tony Barrett, you know, within hours. Um, and then the next day I was down at Old Hall Street speaking to Tony for, for a couple of hours and only like 25 minutes of that was the actual recorded chat and, and he was giving me loads of advice. And I don't even remember that, to be honest. I'll have to, to bring it up with him next time and see him, see if he does. But yeah, that, I was quite lucky that, that I had that that contact, if you like, in Greg at, at the Echo and... Yeah, you know everyone who similar thing with with the, the LFC correspondent job. If you're an Everton fan of fan of Merseyside football, you'll know of Greg's work. Um, but it's um it's a, it's about getting your foot in the door, isn't it? And some of that is down to to who you know rather than what you know. And it's yeah. um, I mean, 
I've never had any any bad experiences with with anything, you know, in terms of asking people for advice, more experienced people, you know, even when I was a, as a young student, no one has been been you know out of order or anything like that. So I think you know if you are a, a young journalist, just you know message people and ask for advice because the worst thing you can do is is not get back to you and and they might just give you one little thing that could prove to be invaluable to you further down the line. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I find that you know, I, I I lost count of the amount of people who, you know, I I, I deem as important in my sort of you know development as as a as a journalist, as a as a writer, whatever it, it may be. I, so many of them I still see now, and you sort of you always have that that special sort of yeah feeling of you know what they they did now felt me out that day or when I was turned up and tried to sit in on a breakout when I wasn't invited and that kind yeah. of thing. Give me a quiet one. Do you do yourself a favor? Get yourself get yourself out of here before you you, you upset people. Um, in terms of covering Liverpool, then obviously becoming in at the Echo, I was there. Obviously, when you 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 joined the Echo, um, how, how did that come about? What was, and am I right in saying your first role was Trent was Trent's writer? So my my first role was was almost a new role. It was, it was created, you know, it was kind of amalgamated from the, the news desk and the sports desk. You, they were looking for kind of quirky left field coverage initially. You know, very at the time there was loads of you know Instagram antics and the likes of Firmino and Alberto Moreno and all that kind of stuff. And they were just looking to to sweep up that area that you know it was a, a rich source of, of page views and, and eyes on on the content and whatever else, but it kind of not being um, swept up as much as it could have been. So my my role was was a totally new one. Um, I got the got the job in October 2016. I think I started, um, oh. and the first thing they said to me it was uh, Maria Breslin, who's obviously the Echo editor now, and Dave Francis, who's the sports editor at the time. Was I got the job because I was the only one who didn't say he wanted to be the next James Pierce, even though I had that kind of you know ambition in mind. At some stage, I very much interviewed for that role and, and got the job as a result. And Again, it was a, it was a foot in the door. It was not necessarily what I initially always wanted to do. It was a bit different. It was a bit new. It was writing with a bit of humour at times, and um, very much. Twelve eights was, was it always 12 eights. Oh God, yeah, the twelve eights. So <laughs> it was always you'd, you'd get a couple of hours of you, and then it'd be everyone had sort of say <laughs> Yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd, I'd be left yeah. on the office on my bills till till eight o'clock. The shifts were Wednesday to Sunday, twelve to eight, and they thought up that shift pattern because they wanted to separate the, the wheat from the chaff, if you like, and only people who were serious about the job would apply for it if they knew they'd be working Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Um, and I always remember Preno, every week he'd say, we'll have to get you off them shifts. We'll have to start putting you on 10 sixes. <laughs> and I'd, I'd be praying for the day when I finally saw a 10 next to my name on the road instead of a 12. And I think he had that much to worry about. So he just knew him, you know, 12-8. Of course, he'll do the 12-8 and he doesn't have to worry about me. But... Um, slowly but surely kind of moved a bit more into the traditional sports coverage um, and started getting on the podcast, the Blood Red podcast that, that we do and um, we've been on a few over the years, haven't we? And yeah, it just, just grew from there really and then there was a restructuring in April 2018 we had a, a few new jobs that we had to apply for and one of them was a, was a trends writer Yeah, for that one, um, got that one and, and then just slowly started you know, taking on more responsibilities at the Echo, really, and, and with the Liverpool coverage. I was going to say, I mean, 
that was that, that April one was just after I left. I left in the March of that year. Yeah. I, remember, I remember that restructuring. Obviously, there was a lot of people left or had you know sort of had to reapply for jobs or change roles or whatever. So I, mean, yeah. I it was a regular thing, wasn't it? Really, the echo that there would always be those kind of shakeups. Did you? Because obviously. You, you said that it's a bit different. You're going in. You, I remember some of the stuff you would do, and you, it would be, you know, an Instagram sweep of players on international break, for example, or yeah. those kind of things. Or, I mean, it wasn't all it wasn't all that, but there was a, there was a lot of that. Did, did you get to a stage where you got a bit sort of impatient, or where you were sort of a little bit like, when when am I going to sort of move move up the ladder a little bit, or move into going to games or press conferences, whatever? Did did you have that, or were you were you in that position of no, this is my sort of apprenticeship, if you like? In, yeah. In, I think I think I was I think I was still still patient enough just to bide my time because I knew I mean when I went into the Echo on that day one you know it was a who's who of of you know football journalists on my side obviously yourself and James Pierce Phil Kirkbride Preno was obviously the sports editor <clears throat> Christian Walsh um, it, it really was just Greg obviously yeah. and it was a case of. I mean, I'm in no major rush. I, I just wanted to get off the 12 eights and then assess it from there, which yeah. I finally did. Um, but it was a shock to the system when I got off the 12 eights and one of my shifts was a 7 3. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, no more rolling out of bed at half 11 because I lived in town and I just walked to work. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it was a different role. Like I say, it wasn't something that I saw myself doing forever and it was just something I had to get used to and sometimes there just wasn't that type of content available from day to day so you find yourself forcing it which came with some criticism in the way of Twitter comments at times but it's just the, the, the nature of the job and when I finally started becoming a little bit more enrolled into the match day coverage you know with live blog and the, 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 the tweets from the games and, and the, the coverage from it that was when I started to think if I can do a decent job I'll start getting, you know, noticed by whoever needs to notice me, whether it was Andy Kelly, who was the Liverpool editor at the time, or, you know, whoever else, and just about biding my time, really. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned match day coverage. Do you remember the first game you you, you covered Liverpool at, at the match at, at Anfield? Can you remember the, the first one you did? Yeah, it was um, it was Fulham. They, they played Fulham on, on a Sunday. I think James was, I think you might have been you and James as the, the first two, and I... Kind of got in on the third slot as the press box was a bit quiet. It was um, 2018. Shakiri with that volley. Do you remember the little instep volley? Yeah, yeah. Was that was that Salah score? The, the, yeah. The, the other goal. Full of the goal disallowed. Yeah. Liverpool went to their end. That's quite unique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't. I mean, it was. It was under a year before I got the yeah. job. Really. Yeah. Uh, I only did about three or four games that season um, from Anfield. I remember doing Huddersfield on a Friday night. Porto, yeah, I think, in, in the Champions League. Um, but there wasn't there wasn't loads. So, you know, when I when I got the job I got now and, and my first game was Norwich at the start of the title winning season, I wasn't someone who'd, who'd done 20, 30 games yeah. and, and kind of knew how it all worked. It was very much learning on the job through the through the help of, of colleagues and obviously bits of advice from yourself or Doily or, or James and um just about you know learn, learning as I went. Yeah, I mean that that's that's interesting, that isn't it? Because I, you know, if you think of myself, I, I, it took me a while to go, but I, I went to a lot of games. Obviously, as it went on, James, obviously, when he when he became Liverpool correspondent, I think had been there for a while in terms of yeah. going to games. That's four you know, four to five games or a handful of games is is a, a big thing. Can you tell me about that that summer then when you sort of you move up into the 
into the big role. Obviously, I know the, it was a bit like the um, difference, obviously, but a bit like the Saudi sort of uh, shake-up, wasn't it? The athletic sort of shook up the And everything really changed, especially at local at local level, uh, even at national level, really, with, with a lot of the, the, you know, the number ones moved on. Where, where did you sort of, where did you start thinking, oh, God, I, 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 I've got a shot here of getting the top job? Yeah, so kind of the season that built in the Champions League, towards the, the, the back end of that season, I'd, I'd started to kind of develop a little bit of a third third Liverpool man, yeah. unofficially at, at the Echo at the time, doing loads of podcasts, um, writing quite weighty, meaty stuff, um, you know, that, that would supplement James's news and, and, and comments and whatever. So when when it came out the change was going the athletic and the, the job was available, I initially thought, well, I'll apply for it, obviously, because it's my dream job. Yeah. Didn't think I'd get it. What I thought would happen, though, was Ian Doyle would get it and then I'd probably yeah, move yeah, into, yeah, into Ian Doyle's role. It's a second type of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which um, obviously worked out the way it worked out. And... Um, it was um it, it, it was it was a dream come true, it was. Um I remember getting the call from, from Sean Bradbury, who obviously you're the interpreter at the Echo, and um he said to me, because me and him had done the severe friendly a couple of days earlier on, on a night shift because obviously it was in America, he said he had to bite his tongue all night because he, he just wanted to say to me, Look, you've got the job and, and we're gonna make it official next week, but he but he didn't. And then when he told me over the phone, I think it was a Thursday night, yeah. I, was, I was just over the moon and then you start to think, how are you going to approach it and what are you going to do and are you going to do things different? Are you going to kind of keep the, the same good practices that have already been there? And, yeah, it, it was daunting, though, because, you know, James, you know, that big shoes exactly to fill for, for, uh, for a little fella. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it, it is following on social media and his popularity and all that. It was a bit like... Um, these are these are big shoes to fill, and you know, see how we go. I, I remember tweeting, I just wanted to be not as disastrous as when they replaced Aquilani with Alonso, and, and that was kind of my thought process. Just don't make a total pig's ear of it to begin with, and, and and then you can find your way into it. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I'm interested there because I, 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 I know the answer to this really because I know I know the person involved. But did you did you speak to James about that job? You know, at length in terms of what you're gonna do, and you know, or what what. Not not what to do and what not to do, but just sort of little little pointers, you know, setting up meetings with certain people or who who you might work, might be worth picking their brains or these kind of things. Because I, when I left, it's different obviously, but I left the Echo to go to goal as Liverpool correspondent. I remember saying to myself and to probably other people, James was the sort of benchmark to me because you would you were as likely to see James at the under 18s or the under yeah. 21s yeah. as you were at Anfield. That James w- w- would not have any sort of ego about. Quotes off a wet off the, the Liverpool website, turning that into a piece. He, he sort of he had that ability to be across everything, you know. Obviously, at, at the cost of his time, a lot of the time we we all remember his Fridays when he was we would do <laughs> office yeah. and get a pint, and he, he had six things to do. But he, he was he was a Liverpool correspondent to me. He was he was across everything that to do with Liverpool. Did you did you seek his advice and and you know how how sort of how did you find that? Yeah, I mean obviously being mates with him, it was easy enough just to say him just go for a coffee and you yeah. know flash one or two things out and he'd give me a little few pointers on who I should speak to and how to handle certain things with, with the national lads and whatever else. And 
Yeah, he's always, he's always been a good sounding board, hasn't he, for, for all of us, I guess, James. He's uh, he's one of the, the hardest working men, like you say. I always remember when I'd be on the late, so that'd be like 3 to 11, it was of a Friday night. He'd be sitting there next to me, tapping out his blood red at like 7, 7 30, 8 o'clock at night. And I remember thinking, if I ever get his job, I'm not, that's not going to yeah. be me. I'm going to have blood red in order and I'm going to be out the door for five o'clock. But uh, that's just that's just the way he is. You know, he's so hard work and he's, he's across everything. And yeah, he, he was, he was a, an ideal role model, really. And, and of course, as well, speaking to Doyle, who's obviously my colleague now, Ian Doyle, um, he, was, he was another one, still is. You know, we go up and down the country together and, and you know you've been with us and alongside the uh you know the, the asking about and whatever we also talk about the jobs and and you know how we can do things and whatever else so i've been lucky really because there's been loads of people you know we've even yourself i remember speaking to you the day after my first verdict and you gave me a few little pointers and said you know well done on, on that one and whatever else and yeah. um just just been quite lucky but um a lot of that again i suppose comes back to getting your foot in the door and, and speaking to people and knowing people because when I joined the Echo, you know, we already knew each other, we already knew James and obviously knew Greg. So that comes back to when I, I did work experience at the Echo in, in 2010. Um, and that was a that was a funny week because that was the week Liverpool were getting taken over by uh, New England sports ventures. Very well. Um, well, wow. I, I always got throw, thrown in, in the corner and we can't be having the work you lad doing our heads in because we're all chocolate here, but... It yeah. was just fascinating just to, to see it all happen up close and you know just pick up little bits. Surprised he didn't send you down to court to, to utilize your, <laughs> your court reporting skills. Yeah. That high court. Um, I, I'm glad you mentioned Doily there because I, I was gonna that was the next sort of thing because obviously you mentioned there that you thought it was going to turn out a certain way and whatever. We, we I'm not going to put words in, in anyone else's mouth, but how did you find that? Because it did they, they, sort of change the role a little bit, didn't he? From from it, so they, it, 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 I wouldn't say they split it, but they'd be two sort of two high-ranking sort of Liverpool yeah. um, writers came in. How did you find that? Because it's um, Doyle's a very experienced reporter, obviously, and, and, and covered Liverpool for a long time. You're, you're I could say, relatively new to it. How did you How did you find that? And it's, I, if you don't mind me saying, it seems to work quite well, you know, besides the besides the, the bickering and the, the, the personal <laughs> the yeah. you're a very laid-back and sort of, um, you know, Calm person and Doyle's the, the merchant of doom. <laughs> Spent ten minutes in his company on that. Uh, how, how did that work out in terms of the, the work division, if you like? Do you know what? We we, we never actually had had we never had a conversation about it in terms of we were both going for the same job. I think he spoke to to the sports desk at the time and and kind of tweaked his his job title, but essentially the the responsibilities remain the same. On a match day, I do I do the verdict and I do all the videos and. He does the the analysis and the ratings, and and that's the way it's always worked. And and I guess we work well together because there's no there's no pecking order, there's no ego, there's a, there's a, a friendship there. Um, even though I, you know we give him stick all the time for being good, you know, marginally grumble. Um, I guess that's why it works well because there there is no um, there's no no division, there's no frustration that you know we just we just work well, and and it's. Um, You've been into our fifth season together now, and um, we've seen Liverpool win pretty much almost a lot, and it's um, it does seem to work, I think. So, yeah, yeah. but there was never any big sit down conversation with each other about it. It was just kind of this is this is how it went, and um, and we crack on. And to be honest, I, I see him. The only person I see more than him is, is me, Mrs. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned it. Another good segue there. We're working well here. Um, Liverpool success, and I, I remember thinking that season. And I, I, I think it, in my time of goal, really, how lucky I was. In the, I had, I had nearly five years, or just over five years of goal. I had three Champions League finals. I saw Liverpool win the, the Premier League, the, the Club World Cup, the, the Champions League. You know, of course. You must be looking at that first season. Did you, when did you? When was the first defeat you wrote about? It must have been forty seven <laughs> months into your, your time. Yeah. I mean, was, in the league, it was it was Wofford, which yeah, was yeah. Late, late February. How how is that for you? In terms of your what you're writing about, because it with the greatest will in the world, it can become repetitive, can't it? That you're, you're writing yeah. about Liverpool being brilliant, everything's great, everything's great. How did you was that perfect for you going into a new job, or did you find that difficult that you were sort of running out of things to say about this about a, a great Liverpool side? Yeah, I mean, you know, cards on the table. I think I don't know if you're the same, but I'd rather have to adapt to the difficulties of writing the same thing every week if Liverpool are winning games. You know, it's, it's beneficial from us from a professional point of view that Liverpool are good, so um. That wasn't too much of a hardship, but a lot of the times, you know, they're beating Sheffield United just before New Year, and, and it's a one-nil win. And you think, well, what can you say? They haven't already said the last four or five months. You know, it's great character reserves and all that kind of stuff. But um, for the games like Leicester on, on Boxing Day four 0 or when they beat City three one, or, or beat United in, in January, they're the ones that, that you, you love writing about because the, the statement wins, and and you get to be a little bit colourful with it and whatever else, and. Um, it was a little bit of a shock to the system when, when Watford beat them 3 0 at Vickery's Road. It was like, oh, wow, you know, I've got to write about a defeat that this is a little bit of a different writing skill. You've got to be careful not to go overboard because this is a team who've won 25 of the last 27 games or whatever it was at the time. But um, I consider myself incredibly lucky to have got into the job when I did. That's the dog, by the way, kicking off. Yeah, that's, that's another. another um, What's the word? Difficulty of the job sometimes when you're, you're trying to actually egg in press conferences over Zoom and the dog's kicking off. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I consider myself incredibly lucky to have gone into it when I did because, you know, the uh, enormity of being the Liverpool correspondent who wrote the first title winning verdict for 30 years was something that I think it's, I think I've still got a pin on my Twitter, you know, it's over three years on and it's um, something that I'll never, um, never take for granted. I, I'll say this now. I mean, that's I, I, I don't I don't get jealous of, of of that because I know how hard everyone works and I'm, and I'm pretty much friendly with with everyone. But I do remember that morning of that obviously after Chelsea and um, City game and thinking oh, I'd love to have had my name on the back of the echo there in terms of you know just just for how long I've talked we've talked about Liverpool winning the league or will yeah. can he do it? You know, and I remember I remember the Brendan Rodgers year and writing a lot of. Things, in my opinion, I was leading up to Liverpool winning the league, you know, and I was writing about it as if they were going to, and he never yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. That one, that night, and I suppose in the fourth month, the, the night that we actually lift the trophy, I mean, it was a mad situation that we were one of the, we were some of the few that were in there, and we were able to. to yeah. speak that. that must be. Is, would you, you know, that, that a highlight in terms of in terms of your sort of um, career showreel TV? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, it struggled to be topped. I think the only way it would be topped is if, is if you know, if the fans were in there. You know, it's it's going to be one of those you're going to tell the grandchildren, isn't it? You know, we were there on the night and there was only 500 in there, and and Liverpool had to apply for special dispensations to get some of the players' families in there, and, and we're just doing it as part of our job. It's um, it's remarkable, really, when you when you look at it. It's but uh, that that kind of period, you know, from sort of. From when it was confirmed that they were champions throughout that summer, was was a real golden period. I thought for, for me, career in the fledgling years of it. You know, we we had we had the opportunity to um, to get an open letter from Jurgen Klopp in the Echo, and, and there's, there's pictures of him sitting there reading it, and you're thinking, well, he, he's reading my stuff there. Um, you know, he, he says he doesn't read things, but I know for a fact he's read my title and a verdict. Definitely. Um, loads of things were going on. You know, I had the chance to speak to Henderson at Anfield and. Strength over Zoom and and just all these little things and at the time it's just it's just work isn't it you want to focus on it you want to do a good job of it but looking back now was it over three years on it really was a, a, a special time from a, from a career point of view and um, yeah just hope that they can do it again with with fans in there and um, give us something else to write about. Do you know what I was saying this to someone on a, on a podcast out they were asking me about for for a uni project and they said what's your what's been your sort of what if you could have, I think you said if you can have five minutes again. I think it was five minutes again, and I, yeah. I, I was torn. I went for the last five minutes of the, the Madrid final, but you know the five minutes I think I would have would be the five minutes when it looked like City were going to blow it on the last day of the season, and we thought Liverpool were going to win it because I never, I'll never ever forget that noise when it was two 0 to Villa, and, and you were thinking they're going to win the league here with fans in it, and I'm going to be writing yeah. about it. You start I'm, thinking, start thinking on you. What, what oh, I'm going to say here. I've actually still got one. You know, one day if I ever get famous, I'll uh, I'll publish the sort of the lost the lost match report of that or the lost <laughs> intro to that that report. You know, I I had it there where it was ready to, to go, and I, I I just it does make me think about that. You know, if you could experience Anfield when when it's when it's full, but how privileged we were to be there that night in in 2020. Not a bad game as well, was it? Chelsea five three. Yeah. Well, but, um, funny, see- funny you mentioned that that game, not the, the Wolves game, because I had me uh, my stepdad's. Uh, birthday party the night before in um, in a restaurant in in Egbeth and I couldn't really enjoy it properly because my mum was going Liverpool could win the league tomorrow and you know I'm going to be writing about it and what am I going to say and it was it, it weighed on my mind a little bit and then when there's there's 15 minutes to go and, and Villa is still tuning the up and you're thinking you know Liverpool needs score here and then it doesn't quite happen that way but it's not so much. You're not in a fan mode at all, even slightly. It's it's very much, you know, what what, what are we going to write here? And I'm sure you're the same. It's yeah, it, it, start it, going. Weird mix, isn't it? Because I, where I sit, and you know, obviously you sit further down the road to me in, in the press book, but I sit right on the end with the fans. So if there's a controversial moment or if there's a goal in another game, it's I, I tend to get it from the fans. You know, I'll get the yeah. sort of, they're over my shoulder or they'll, what scores the Villa game? And I remember having to tell people, it was 2-0 and I can remember the reaction, the, the buzz sort of going around and I, I just remember that almost having to break people's hearts going and, and I think I think a lot of people had the same feeling. As soon as it went 2-1, I think people yeah. thought we're going to yeah. win this, aren't they? And I remember having to sort of say it's 3-2 and then there was obviously that buzz where it was, has there been an equaliser and it wasn't and I was like, but that's terrible. Yeah, when, when that, that noise went around that field, yeah. Yeah, I always, I always think about that sort of, you know, you would see, I don't know, I, I, I sound a bit soppy here, but it, it feels like 
it does give you a little bit of like inspiration as a sense of look at look at their eyes, sort of look at their sort of you know the the, the noise or the passion that they've got, and then you you know you're you're now having to sort of put that into words towards mm-hmm. the end of the game or whatever, and especially you know if you think back to sort of Barcelona or you think of you know huge games against City that, that in that title winning season or you know remember Aston Villa away um yeah. when Sadio scored and things like that Leicester um I want to bring it forward obviously I mean you had that first season where everything went well you've had seasons subsequently where it's gone bad and my one of my experiences when I worked at the Echo more so less so now is that when things go bad it tends to get a bit more Criticism on journalists, you can yeah. get a bit more yeah. sort of nastiness or or just frustration from fans boiling over into why aren't you asking questions? Why aren't you saying this? Why are you writing that, not this? Um, how did you find that? Because again, go back to James as a role model, I thought he was probably the perfect person in terms of how to deal with and cope with Twitter abuse or social media scrutiny and that kind of thing. How did how did you find that in that in that top job? Because I I've had I've had lots of struggles with it. I have my ups and downs with it. I have my moments where I can't deal with it. I have my moments where it's water off a duck's back. But I, I very rarely sort of um, deal with it as well as James did. How did you how did you find it? How do you find it? The way I deal with it now is everything I post I mute automatically now because you just think can't I'm. Can't be bothered with, with people kicking off about it, but you know it, it it's interesting because a lot of a lot of the criticism is just people lashing out because they want Liverpool to be good and, and that's fair enough. But when it's when it's even handed and it's like, well, the echo need to be calling this this and that out, and uh, a lot of it a lot of it comes down to you know why aren't the echo calling out FSG and that that always seems to be the shout and yeah. I think a lot of people just say it because they're not looking. You know, I think we have we have done. Things when we've had to certainly over the the um, the furlough incidents and all the U-turns and whatever else. And I remember writing something at the beginning of the summer, basically saying this this is time for FSG to to show the metal and you know they can't leave this squad in the way it is and whatever else. But um, a lot of it you've just you do you just have to in the in the way James does just just tune it out and ignore it. A lot of it isn't. Isn't fair. A lot of it is over the top, and you know some of it is even nasty. So, yeah. um, it's it's tough, you know, when you've got a, a following. You know, James is James got nearly a million followers now, he, and he's he's been dealing with that that for for years. But you know, I've I've seen my following grow quite a lot in, in the last few years, and with that comes more people who scrutinise you, who yeah. point out when. You know, maybe you've got a stat wrong, or maybe maybe there's a there's a mistake in the tweet or whatever else, and they'll let you know, which is fair enough. But sometimes it, it can go overboard with things that um, they think you should be doing when when in, in reality, some of the times you, you you've already done it. Yeah, so I I I always. Or as I say, always more recently, I've I've looked at it, and and I, we've been in lots of away trips together and, and 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 European aways and things like that. And we've been in hotels or train stations or service stations. And you don't really get it do you in person. You don't really get that no. sort of that, that level of, you know, nastiness. You might get the odd one saying like, what's going on with the transfers? Or why is you know why you just honestly think Henderson's better than him or what well, you might get a bit of that, but you don't get that level of you I think there's generally it's it's quite a positive sort of relationship yeah. with Liverpool supporters. Um 
I mean, oh, it brings me on to the question. Really, I was going to ask you what what is the what did what have you found the toughest part of the job? Is it is it is it that? Is it the the, the work life balance? Is it the sort mm. of attaching yourself maybe as, as a supporter and, and finding that? I mean, I, I'll give you another example, but the people who cover Liverpool pretty good aren't they you know there's there's a it's a it's a it's a competitive field in the sense yeah, of yeah, you've, yeah. Got you've got chris Baskin, you've got jamesy you've got dom king day matter it's a it's well established but it's a good bunch of people so you to stand out in that field you know you, it is it is pressure isn't it so what are the what are the toughest bits of the job for you in terms of in terms yeah of the, the work-life balance is is definitely something something i've had to learn over the years that can't can't be across everything, you know. If I've if I've been in the office on a quiet Tuesday and done a nine five, and something comes out, you know, whatever it be, at half eight at night, and if it's not if it's not the major, I've had to learn to wean myself off, yeah. sending it in, you know, to the people on shift who can handle that. You know, if it's obviously something major, then I want to be at the forefront of it all, and I want I want to be the one who's covering it because that is ultimately my job. But um, that that's that's certainly been one of them over the years. I remember. Just after Christmas, um, watching a film just before the new year, and get a message that the Cody Gakpo was signed, and, and it's going to be announced at half eight at night. And film goes on pause, the big light goes on, the laptop goes up, and you know, we misses in there thinking, "Well, I want, to, I want to finish this film. How long are you going to be?" And it's just what you'd have to do as part of the job. What was the film? Um, the Glass Onion. Okay, I've not seen yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen a Netflix one. Is that there? Yeah, is that, yeah, yeah, Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and from from a kind of technicality point of view, a, a, a big difficult part of the job is um, establishing contacts. You know, yeah. people who um, people who, who, who give you the news, who, who are going to tell you things that are happening, and, and have got trust in you, and, and enough of a relationship to tell you things that are going on. I think that's a very difficult part of the job, and it'd be a lot more straightforward if you were covering someone further down the league, so there's, there's nowhere near as much um, interest and attention and there's not as many people covering it, but that certainly is is one of the difficult ones and it's something that you can't can't flick a switch and you can't turn it on overnight. You've got to build it up over, over the course of a number of years, so that's that's a difficult one, but the, the work-life balance is, is, is certainly a, a tough one. Um, so I think of a, of a recent recent example where, I've, yeah, it is one. Last summer, um, beyond... Bazemer is it? It was Navigators Agency. He came out and I think he said something along the lines of, you know, we'll see what happens over the future. And, and at the time, it's, you know, Navigators' future is, is a bit of a hot topic for debate. And I think it was like 20 past seven that those quotes started floating around Twitter. And I had to stop myself and say, no, someone on, someone on the desk can do that because yeah, you know, yeah. essentially I can't be 24 seven, even though um, as much as we, we'd like to try. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got. I thought you were going to say a good example be Caicedo this summer as well with about two a.m. three a.m. wasn't it sort of? Um, yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, or maybe unfortunately, I, I was on paternity leave for that. That was like oh, yeah, in the middle of it. So I was kind of watching watching Liverpool summer from taking a step back and watching it all unfold differently this summer. So that um, was was different. You know, it had its, its good points and it had its negative points, but I was determined to um, keep my hands in my pockets and away from the laptops. Was was that tough? I've got funny. Was that tough? I, I, reason I say that this week I've been in Barcelona and we were uh, we were driving in. So we went last year to Barcelona. Me, me, my girlfriend, and we we went again this summer. Um, and as we were driving in, I said, "Oh, we're right by our, our hotel." I remember this. And Sophie said to me, "She said, oh, that's the bench that we 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 sat on 
last year when Mane left Liverpool and you wrote, you wrote on your phone, you know, the Mane story that he's going to yeah. buy. Yeah. I do remember that sort of, it was very different this time around, but last year, I think, I think in the same holiday, I think Milner signed a new contract, Calvin Ramsey signed, Mane left and Darwin signed in, in the, in the same period. And, it is really, it is difficult sometimes, isn't it, to switch off? Did you? How did you find it this summer, and especially this summer of all summers, when it was, it went up a level, didn't it, in terms of sort of the madness of the transfer window, you know, in terms of things changing hourly and you know yeah. unexpected things happening. How did you find it? One to, to observe it from afar, but two to, to to keep away and sort of keep your hand off the sort of off the laptop. Yeah, I, I was de- I was determined not to do anything because if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound, and I I, I did. I did break break that rule when Henderson left because you know we, we had some discussions around it in WhatsApp groups and whatever as the echo and felt that we just needed to be quite strong on our coverage in that and you know uh, you know like we couldn't have done that without a comment from the correspondent so I did sit down one day and, and thrash that out but everything kind of football related I just made the decision to step back and the guys who were filling in for me or, or Doily or you know whoever they can do it because you know good experience with someone like Theo Squires, who's kind of the third Liverpool man, isn't he? Yeah. At the Echo. So uh, I found it found it quite easy, actually. Um, and it, it was very different following it from a, um, a consumer point of view, a supporter point of view. You're like, you're not messaging people, you know, all hours of the day and you're just waiting to see what happens next and what unfolds and you're consuming it all as it happens, you know, David Ornstein breaking the news and, you know, whether it's comments from, from your substack or, or Doily's got a piece on it or James or whatever. And I was just following it the way a um, a supporter with an interest in football writing might. And it, and it was different and it was a bit refreshing. But um, next summer, I'll be glad to be back in the thick of it again, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I find that we, we, you, when you're in work, you spend all your time moaning about work. When you're out of work, you spend all your time thinking about going back to work, don't you? That's yeah. that's sort of the way the way I I look at it. I, just finally, I'll, I'll ask you just a couple of quite straightforward questions or or, or simple, you know, quick fire questions if you like. But do you do you have a um, do you have a memory from your, your sort of your journalism career that you you think that a bit like that question I asked earlier, that sort of five minutes that you could have again, you know, in terms of in terms of experience. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, Liverpool were good enough to set up a, a chat with Jürgen. You know, when I, I started the role, introduced me to him. You know, get my, my face in front of him, and you know, this is the guy who's taken over from James, who, who obviously knows from from his time doing the job. So, just doing that, just sitting in his office and just talking through football, and it was very. It wasn't like we didn't have a, a chance to, to speak off camera and, and establish a relationship like that. It was very much, here's Jürgen, you've got twenty minutes, go, but. Yeah. That was a a little bit of a career highlight because um, just talking about things, Liverpool just won the Champions League, and you're asking them about players and just getting a real first-hand insight from the man himself. And then it's um, it's all on video. We, we've got a photographer there who's taking pictures, and it's still me, me Twitter banner picture. To be honest, I thought about changing it the other day, and I thought, well, I can't change it. It's four years old, but I'm not going to get a better picture than Jürgen, you know, using to me in his office at Melwood. So. Left it, but probably that. To be honest, yes. you know, been asking me for five minutes, I'd probably be a little bit selfish and or greedy and take the twenty for that. Yeah, I mean, does that answer the next question in terms of who's who's the sort of the interviewee? You know, if, if it does, can we take Klopp out of the equation and say who, who who's the sort of you know the, the interviewee that you've sort of had the most? I wouldn't say starstruck, but 
who's engaged you the most maybe in terms of you know being able to sit down and speak to them yeah it's a good question it's weird isn't it because you don't really get starstruck with no with Liverpool players because you see them quite a lot yeah you get a bit blase don't you yeah. I mean it's it sounds terrible, doesn't it, to people? Because all that, that's all people want to ask you, doesn't it? People want to say, what's Van Dyke like? Or what's Van yeah. like? Yes, I see them all the time. You know, so there, there are times when he walk past and I think, oh, I better not speak to me because I've spoke to him that many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virgil's the one for that, isn't he? Virgil's yeah. the, the yeah. mouthpiece of the squad. Um, I get more starstruck with the other team's players now. Yeah. Just, you know, even players who aren't necessarily, they wouldn't be big stars for Liverpool, but because, you you know, you see them, you think, well, there's whoever it is. No, I think yeah. yeah. Um, most engaged. I mean, Carragher always always gives you something to think about, doesn't he? Whether it's you know, with current views on on what's happened in Liverpool, or whether it's throughout his career, he's he's always someone who, who just makes you think a little bit. Yeah. Um, but other than that, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question. That really, I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, who were, you, who were your heroes when you were when you were following Liverpool? Would you were you Gerard Fowler? Those those kind of people. Yeah, I mean, obviously Gerard. That you sort of, you know, Fowler was was one of mine, and I I still see him when when I when I had COVID, for example, he, he sent me a message just asking how I was and things like that. And you're, you're like, Robbie Fowler, you know, but yeah. you just, those those type of people as well. Do they stand out? And yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, Gerard is, is Gerard, isn't he? He's a hero for every Liverpool fan, but certainly, you know, people my age follow follows theirs, wasn't he? And Fowler was certainly my hero growing up. And like I mentioned earlier, there's, there's always that one thing, at least once a week in this job, where you think, this is a bit mad. <laughs> Probably when I was I was in Dubai and I got five or ten minutes with Robbie, you know, on the record. And then after that, he's just telling me about these spring rolls that he had the night before in the Chinese. <laughs> and it's exactly it'd, it'd be nice, yeah. And his daughter's there and she's like, Dad, stop embarrassing yourself. And it's just He's, you know, Robbie Fowler's here telling me to go and get the uh, the, the shoemires or whatever in the uh, in the Chinese. Got them as well, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, little Uber Eats to the hotel. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, we'll look ahead a little bit, but are you are you someone who has career goals, ambitions, or are you someone who's? I mean, I, the the impression I get of you is you're very much a go with the flow type of person who's sort of you know don't don't sort of. Don't waste time worrying about about yeah. doing that kind of thing. Are you are you one of those who's who's happy to sort of be in certain um, certain roles and see where it goes, or do, or do you set yourself targets, goals, that kind of thing for the future? Yeah, I, I, I do and I don't. I think you know, five seasons into this job now, and at the time it was, it still is really very much just you know getting where you fit in. This is the job I wanted. This is the job I'm going to do. Um, but of course, that the, the other rolls around that you think would be nice to do that one be nice to give that a try but uh, at the moment yeah I'm, I'm loving loving what I'm doing covering Liverpool we're very fortunate aren't we even though we, we like to moan up and down the country and on Saturday nights and whatever else but um, yeah it's it's uh, if it didn't have this industry I'm not sure what I'd do and I, I think you might be the same so consider ourselves very fortunate most definitely, I think I said that. What am I? I think I wrote it recently in a piece. And I, what, what, what am I going to do? Work, you know. That's, that's yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. And then I, I, I always have to catch myself when I start moaning about, oh, I've stuck on the M6 for half an hour on the way back from Brighton, or I was, you know, someone on Twitter's called me an idiot because I <laughs> give someone a seven instead of an eight or whatever. It's like, well, it could be worse, couldn't it? I could be, you know, could be up at five in the morning, you know, on a building site and sort of getting wet through and having real stuff to moan about. So yeah, yeah. I mean, for all the kind of shoes be away in the cup on a Sunday nights, 
to um, Manchester United to Rome, 7 0 or whatever. So, um, yeah. take the rough with the smooth, I suppose. Absolutely, what a what a good sentiment to uh, to end on, mate. Well, listen, thanks. I've kept you a bit longer than I expected to, and I planned to. But thanks for your uh, thanks for your time. It's um, much appreciated and fascinating to get a, a good insight into into your life and keep no up the good. Thank you.